2023 completely changed the women's game. So let's talk about it. Well, it is the final few days and the last episode of 2023, a year that goes into the history books on so many categories that completely changed women's football. There was the good, there was the bad, there was beautiful, there was the ugly, there was the reckoning, there was the moments of taking back and thinking, there was the moments of reconciliation, there was plenty of pondering moments that have completely changed how women's sports in general looks like moving forward. Just like how today we sit and talk and read about the football bans that were happening in the likes of Brazil in in the early 80s, which is really quite recent, um, in England 50 years ago, and in so many different countries and, and the struggles that they had to overcome decades ago, 2023 will be that turning point year that kids in the future and many, many generations to come will look back to and assess. And in many ways, I think we're very lucky to be consuming the sports today. We are the ones who are witnessing this entire growth. We are the ones contributing to these audience bursts. We are the one helping advocate for better. We are the ones that are going to be talking about 2023 and this 21st century of women's football in the next few years. We are that generation. I think we're very, very lucky to, to just have that honor almost. I was thinking really hard about, you know, 23 moments that happened in 2023 that changed the game. And I was like, if I'm talking about 23 moments, I feel like I'd be sat here for 50 minutes. I'm like, all right, let's narrow it down to 10 moments that completely changed the women's game in 2023. And the reality is there is not a set of moments that change the game. I think every single day, every moment, every game, every single event that happened completely changed the course of the sport, which is why today I've simplified it a little bit to kind of talk about some of the huge moments that did change the women's game. For many years, the narrative in women's sports has been the lack of opportunities. And this year was all about the opportunity and the chance for athletes on the pitch and off the pitch and audience consuming the sport to really prove and show us what women's sports was all about. And when given the opportunity, women's football simply does not disappoint. I'm talking breaking attendance numbers one after the other in every single major league, in every single major competition. Peak audience and average numbers on broadcasters higher than anybody anticipated. Revenue numbers and merch merchandise as well as match day revenue higher than any other year before as well as sponsorship deals and sponsorship money with athletes themselves but it all comes back to one thing they were given the opportunity to excel and they excelled on every single metric with big changes and big opportunities like this, 2023 also hosted a, a generational shift. The likes of Ali Krieger, Megan Rapino, Caroline Sager, Christine Sinclair, all of those big legends that built the game to what it is today all make a way out, especially from the international stage. At the same time, we kind of saw the rise and, and burst of talent with the likes of Linda Caicedo, Lauren James, uh, Salma Paraleo, Sophia Smith, Kyra Cooney Cross, Olga Carmona. I mean, it is a huge list that now we kind of see it is those youngsters to carry the game. And 2023 really hosted that shift of generations. And to make this sound a little bit more poetic, because it is really that beautiful, but 2023 was the year that with that generational shift, you saw a passing on the torch to the youngsters. Those huge big legends of the game built the game, advocated for so much of what we have today. And now it's kind of 
been given to those youngsters to really go on and, and continue growing the game and continue doing what they do best. And obviously a huge topic of this year was going to be the World Cup, but at the start of the year, we saw the impact of that expanded World Cup. You saw a huge, immense investment with new teams that were able to qualify to the World Cup with the likes of Panama, with the likes of Philippines, with the likes of Morocco. For the first time ever, they went to the World Cup. Ireland, Haiti, I mean, every single nation that debuted at the World Cup did immense things regardless of what metric you're measuring their success at. A few months after those qualifications were set, we got to see the Champions League final, which drew in huge, huge numbers for Dazon. Barcelona going on to win a treble, an incredible run. Without a, without Alexia Puteas, a lot of that light and kind of attention and fiasco was focused on Aitana Bonmati. And this year was Aitana Bonmati's year. From the World Cup to the league games, to the Champions League, to the to the cup games, Aitana Bonmati, absolutely beautiful form of football that she was producing. I mean, it is literally art, which is big because a lot of people that were just being introduced to the women's game of like, oh, what's happened in the Champions League or like what's going on with Spain on the pitch and who is this Barcelona players and they're looking up highlights or just tuning onto Twitter or reading articles. They're stumbling on Aitana Bonmati and they're looking at what Aitana Bonmati does on the pitch. Aitana Bonmati probably single-handedly in, in, involved in such a huge number of new audience that we probably won't know about. She won the Ballon d'Or, the FIFA Best Player. I mean, she swooped completely every award that she was nominated for. And when a player performs that well in a year that was so competitive, in a year that was so, again, groundbreaking for the game, she holds a lot of um, influence and she holds a lot of credit to, to what she did and the new fans that she introduced into the game and, and just her overall impact. Going back to the Champions League really quickly before we jump onto the stuff that happened afterwards. But there was a huge discourse about the game should have the, the final should have been hosted at a much bigger stadium capping it at around 34,000 uh, people in, in in the stadiums too little that is such a great conflict to be having the stadiums are too small because we are selling them out too much i'm very happy that we're having that dialogue right now because not too long ago there was complaints about oh it's too expensive to host in those big stadiums we need to go into smaller stadiums try to figure those out and then move on a little bigger that's not the situation anymore. And it's a great uh, kind of like stumble to be on. Everything in women's football, and I mean quite literally every single thing in the game changed when that first ball in the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup was in play. The success of the Matildas was more than impressive, and I still struggle to find the words to really describe what they did. I mean, New Zealand were also fantastic co-hosts, because this World Cup would have not been a success if it had not been for both Australia and New Zealand. But for the Matildas themselves, how the nation tuned in and how everybody was fully hooked on the Women's World Cup was incredible to watch. The scenes on the pitch, uh, talk about that penalty shootout against France. I still think about it sometimes. The scenes on the streets of everybody repping a Sam Kerr shirt. The pictures and the videos from the fan zones of everybody packed in that small area that was available to them, glued in their eyes on the TV. The footage on the planes being shown, everybody watching, everybody clapping. We have never seen anything like it. We'll talk a little bit more about the ugly and everything that followed Spain and the Women's World Cup, but their run was so impressive to their first ever Women's World Cup. And it was that youth, it was that young talent, that up-and-coming, rising, you know, stars that won them the World Cup. It wasn't just Spain that made history there. There was a lot of wanted and unwanted history by many teams with the likes of Brazil, Canada, and, and Germany all crashing out in the group stages. 
But then you had the likes of Colombia and Morocco going into the round of 16. And let's talk about Morocco here for a moment. But going on the run that they did to qualify to the World Cup, they get into the World Cup. They have immense performances, make it out of the group stages in a group that had Germany in it of all nations who just were runner-ups in the Euros. They go into the round of 16, tough opposition against France, but they were the first ever MENA region, which is the Middle East and um, North Africa country to participate in the World Cup, and they go on to make it to the round of 16. It's huge. And let's not forget their defender, Nohela Benzina, who I have been such a huge uh, fan of and talking about because she was the first ever hijabi to play at the Women's World Cup. Figure that she was in terms of visibility and actually inspiring youth and other hijabi women to be like, you know what? You can get to the biggest stage in the sport. You can play at the Women's World Cup if you want to. Which is also another conversation that this year was a reckoning to to understand that the game is globally grown. It's not just in Europe and it's not just in the US and North America. The game is growing everywhere. It's never been the lack of talent. It's always been the lack of investment. That was the storyline of the World Cup. When you saw the giants of Nigeria and Colombia and Morocco and X, Y, and Z do what they did and, and throw out Canada and Brazil and Germany in the group stages... It was exactly that gap being closed down and understanding that this growth has happened globally. It's not just constant in one place. With that being said, there is still a lot of room to improve and there's still a lot of advocating to do. With the beautiful display of, with the beautiful moments of history being written and the display of incredible football, it was a very sour, I guess, feeling that a lot of those players are actually not getting paid for being there, which was the reminder of there's still a lot of ugly in football. Um, And this is not just lack of investment in some of these international teams, but also clubs. Reading being relegated in the way that they were relegated. Uh, Potsdam from Germany, a club with such rich history, being knocked out and being, I mean, humiliated out of their from Bundesliga the way that they were. Certain clubs in Spain and Italy almost filing for bankruptcy. And, and again, talking about bankruptcy, we saw how some of those teams at the World Cup had to be flown out. The fact that there were GoFundMe, GoFundMe pages started by family of players and, and certain moms of a few players because they didn't know if those players were going to make it out to the World Cup is harsh. And it's really sad to think about. So in terms of investment and money, yes, we have had a massive massive boost in that but there's also a lot of other avenues that we need to be feeding and a lot of avenues that need that money and we need to be directing money there and probably the ugliest of the year was what was happening with the Spanish players because they had been advocating for so many months before the World Cup Um, they had been advocating in like November of 2022 the statements that were coming out the accusations that were coming out they were really really serious and those players the entire team those who participated in the world cup and those who didn't were failed they were failed by their own federation they were failed by fifa they were failed by everybody who was supposed to protect them they were dismissed they were invalidated they were completely i mean absolutely completely ignored in such a disrespectful manner that what happened at the world cup and following that final game in the ceremony was of course going to happen because everything had been allowed and every kind of accusation of sexual assault was allowed to happen and was dismissed there was no recognition given to those players but with all of that ugly came a lot of that change in the rfef which is only just starting um rubialis still needs to get his life banned from women's football 
Vilda, unfortunately, has gone in and now got a job with the Moroccan team, which is honestly something I'm still trying to process. But there was a lot of change that happened. And I think what we saw here was a, a huge, massive roar and screams from the entire community standing by those players. And I don't think the offenders and those who were involved actually expected to see that outrage. And, and this whole fight of federation versus players is, again, a very prominent storyline this year. The Canadian women's national team going and against their federation because of cuts that were announced. They threatened to, to not play a few games and the federation went back at them and, and threatened to sue the players. The Zambian women's national team, they had to work with a head coach that had a pending investigation about him being a sexual assaulter, yet he was allowed to go to the World Cup. Those players were also not paid and have not been paid for their World Cup yet. Nigeria also going through the same thing, but with all those fights, the community has stood by with each other. And the players from different leagues and different clubs and different nations have all supported each other. And it's great to see. The fiasco of FIFA and, and the broadcasters was unpleasant to see. But again, it was the ugly before the pretty came, which was all these groundbreaking records. The partnership that FIFA announced with Saudi Arabia, again, caused a huge outrage that that sponsorship had to pull out of the World Cup. It is a bit of a shame that everything good has to have a fight in it and, and it needs to have an obstacle there for the players to get across. It's a shame, but I think we got to see how resilient the communities and how resilient the sport is. Another prominent thing that happened was a lot of a lot of injuries and ACL injuries were a huge topic of the year. But at the same time, as horrible as that was to see on the pitch, that prompted a lot of new research and it prompted a lot of different surveys and reports to be, you know, conveyed with the players. And again, it's a shame that everything terrible has to happen first before something beautiful comes out of it but that's been the story of the women's game and i really hope moving forward that is not the case but that was the story of, of 2023 it was the beautiful it was the ugly it was the fantastic it was the good it was the the brilliant it was the breaking of records it was a lot of good and bad and it was a year that is in the history books for me personally it's also been such a fantastic year that i've been able to connect with so many different people uh, with the podcast and the channel here i've had such good dialogue such good conversations with players former players um journalists and guests and people who are so knowledgeable about the game that it's been such an honor and pleasure there was a lot of huge milestones achieved here on the channel and I'm very excited for the year that's going to come because it's only up and it's only going to get better from here. And so this growth was also felt for content creators and journalists and writers like myself. I got to debut on The Guardian. I've got multiple published papers and articles, features. It's been massive and it's been incredible and I've been very, very happy to be able to to have and host those moments in the women's game because it's just, I feel really lucky and honored to be part of this beautiful year that was the women's football game and again beautiful but there was a lot of good and bad and unfortunately that has been i don't know if it's unfortunately or fortunately that's kind of one thing that i'm battling with like do i like how it goes on with a lot of the battles not really but it does show you a lot about the women's game i want to know if there's a specific moment or specific uh, i guess game or a specific event that really changed how you perceive the women's game or how you consumed it and if you are a new um, audience member of the women's game this year how was that for you and i'd love to hear your opinions and kind of like this year overall in women's football for yourself so please don't try and don't try out and share a lot of those thoughts and comments down below because i will definitely most definitely be reading them and for the last time this year if you want to stay updated and you want to continue enjoying the beautiful game make sure you subscribe to me down below and follow me on twitter because next year is going to be a huge year a lot of great content, a lot of great coverage, and it's only going to get better. So join the crew. Happy New Year. 
I hope everybody is having a lovely winter time. Hopefully not so cold where you are. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope you are having a lovely, lovely, fantastic time. And I'll see you in 2024. <laughs>